Hello, this is Ruin Willow. Welcome to my podcast. I am going to narrate a short little excerpt from Lust Cruise by Studio Top Hat. And then following that will be the interview with the author. I hope you stick around and enjoy it. To orient you, the excerpt starts out with it being a singles cruise and the crew members are telling everyone to put sunblock on each other. Of course, you have to be not wearing anything for that to happen, right? (laughs) Which they proceed to do. And Jonathan is recently divorced and to help him move on, his friend Jane surprised him by booking him on the singles cruise. And so they're going on this cruise together. And it's about people meeting each other and getting into some very interesting, spicy, sexy situations on the cruise. And Jonathan meets a woman named Wendy, and they apply sunblock to each other's nude bodies. And I'm guessing you could tell where this is going to go. (laughs) Okay, here we go. This is about, I think, about a 15-minute excerpt, and then we will get into the interview which we had a great discussion. It was really fun. I really enjoyed it. So stick around and get that. And I hope you check down in the podcast show notes for the author's links to their books and mine as well. I have books. I'm an erotic author as well. And audiobook narrator. So check us out. Okay. Excerpt for Lust Cruise by Studio Top Hat. Jonathan's shorts hit the floor and then her fingers were under his tight black briefs caressing his butt firmly. A physical shock passed through his body. This is really going to happen, he thought to himself, right here on deck. She slowly pulled the back of his underwear down and then the front, releasing his hard cock at the very last moment, savoring the anticipation. Wendy was at eye level with it, and Jonathan longed for her to slide it between her open lips. Instead, She poured more sunblock into her hands and began to seductively apply it. She reached around, rubbing it into his butt and the top of his thighs. As she did, she leaned in and kissed his penis gently, never taking it full inside her mouth, but teasing it with light touches of her lips. He rolled back his head as the tiny touches awakened feelings in his body that he hadn't felt for a very long time. As she lotioned his lower calves, and the top of his feet she kissed his balls, rolling her tongue over them and moaning with the pleasure it gave her to once more touch a man like this. She finished his legs, leaving only one other spot on his body to rub down. He was swollen in anticipation, and the time it took her to slowly drizzle sunblock into her outstretched hand was agony. He wanted her touch more than anything. So I take it that it has been a while since anyone touched you here? Wendy asked as she lightly touched the lotion to him. Far too long, he replied. I think we need to remind your body what it wants and get all that build-up tension out. What do you think? She grabbed his shaft tightly and he inhaled with a shocking pleasure of it. I couldn't resist you if I wanted to. She began to run long, slow strokes up and down his cock using far more lotion than was necessary to prevent sunburn. With her other hand, she cupped his balls, lightly massaging them as she increased the speed of her strokes. Jonathan's senses were overwhelmed. He had rubbed himself many times over the last few months, 
but nothing compared to the power that she was building up inside him. I'm not going to last long the way you are going. Come whenever you are ready. Enjoy it. From what you told me about your ex, you deserve it. She increased the speed of her stroking, and within a minute, he felt the energy building up for release. A low moan escaped him as it blew out of him, carrying a stream of white with it. His eyes were closed, and he didn't even care where it landed. His mind was only on enjoying the last few strokes as Wendy finished her task. When he opened his eyes, Jonathan saw that Wendy was wiping his seed from the wooden deck. Sit down and relax, Jonathan. You must be exhausted. I still need to get your head, after all. Thank you. And then it is your turn. As Wendy massaged lotion into his neck and across his ears, he looked out over the ship. The humpbacks were still breaching near the yacht, but no one was paying them any attention. Only a few people still had any clothes on at all. In fact, Wendy was the only person still fully clothed. Some were done with the sunblock and had moved on to full sex, and the sounds of their passion were beginning to rise in volume as more people joined them. He looked for Jane, but could not see her, which he was secretly glad for. Given their long friendship, he wasn't sure he was ready to see her being plowed by some random guy. Alden, how do you feel, Jonathan? You are amazing, Wendy. You have such power in your hands. But if you look around, you will see that you are entirely too overdressed for this party. Do you think you are ready? Wendy took a deep breath. I'm a pretty conservative person as a rule. I've never been naked in front of people that I didn't intend to sleep with before. I admit I'm nervous. You have nothing to be nervous about. You are so beautiful. And I want to return the pleasure you gave me. Will you let me? Wendy took another deep breath. Ah, oh, what the hell? I guess I've never given someone a hand job in the middle of a crowd either, and I survived that. What do I have to lose? How about we start by losing your shirt? Jonathan wrapped his arms around Wendy's waist and swiftly lifted her shirt over her head before she had a chance to change her mind. Beneath it, she wore a pink lace bra, but only for a moment because Jonathan made sure it joined her shirt as soon as possible. I want to see all of you, Wendy. He placed his hands on her hips, and she nodded, allowing him to drop her skirt to the floor. She stood on the deck in only her lacy pink panties. Jonathan did not go fast lowering them, instead going very slowly, revealing her hidden flesh with slow movements, first the right side and then the left. I knew you were beautiful, he said dreamily. Wow, I can't wait to put my hands on your body. Why don't you lay face down in the lounge chair and I'll get started. She obeyed, pulling her hair off her shoulders to allow him to work. Jonathan had taken a few classes in erotic massage during the worst months of his marriage in an attempt to rekindle the spark that had already died. His ex-wife had never allowed him to put his skills to use. He started at her shoulders, rubbing the sunblock into her skin at the same time he rubbed all the tension from her muscles. The moans of pleasure that came from Wendy told him he was right on track. He moved down her back with large swipes of his hands digging deep across the broad muscles. When he came to her butt, he only touched it gently, taking care of the sunblock task quickly. 
and then tracing his fingers across the sensitive skin between her cheeks and down the inside of her thighs. She sounded pleased, and he moved to her legs, taking each in turn, bracing her feet on his shoulders and running his lotioned hands up and down the full length of each, lingering for long moments where her leg joined with her vulva. As he switched legs, he saw the telltale shine between them that suggested he was pleasing her. As he switched to her feet, he applied strong pressure to them, eliciting a loud moan of joy from her. He needed the pressure points he had been taught led to greater sexual excitement. He didn't know if it was true or not, and frankly, he didn't care. All that mattered to him was the view of her shapely backside and the sounds of joy that came as he massaged her. Finally, he helped her roll over. You need to do this as a career, she said, her eyes only half open and her grin wide. He rubbed her arms and then he took her right hand into both of his. He slid her middle finger into his mouth and sucked hard, causing her to close her eyes completely and grind her hips into the lounge. The lotion was a special blend that tasted as good as it smelled, and he loved the taste of it. He repeated this on each finger of her hand before applying the sunblock, and then on the other hand. Hmm, definitely a new career, Wendy murmured. Taking a large amount of lotion in his hands, he placed them on her shoulders and began to move his way down her body. When he slid his slick hands over her round breast, she said, That feels good. He spent long minutes getting to know her breasts. The nipples were firm and tall and felt glorious beneath his fingers. He traced circles around them, making her purr. <sighs> when he pinched them gently, she gasped, clearly enjoying the touch. Jonathan had no doubt she was fully turned on now and continued down her body, over her belly and down to her mound. She had a thick track of hair, but was otherwise smoothly waxed. As his finger moved over that spot, her body moved, eager to continue to the conclusion it sought. Not yet, beautiful. I need to get your face first. Mm. <laughs> she whimpered at the delay, but quickly fell into the pleasure of the massage he gave her forehead and temple. It didn't last long, only enough time to cover where sunblock was needed and to clear the rest from his hands. Jonathan leaned over the top of her from behind and placed a gentle kiss upon her lips. She rose to meet it, her tongue extending to touch him. He allowed their tongues to briefly touch before breaking the kiss. She sat up on one arm. You are such a tease. Jonathan grinned as he wordlessly moved from her head to her feet. She spread her legs, getting a smile from him. When he lowered himself onto the leg rest of her lounge chair, and placed a whispered kiss on her clit. She flopped heavily back into a relaxed position, knowing the teasing would be worth it. He spread her lips with his fingers. They were wet and slick with her personal lubricant. He rolled his finger up and down from her butt to her clit several times, lubricating in the smooth flow of her body. On a whim, he tasted his finger. It was musky and sweet, with a taste of sunblock, and he could feel his sexual energy beginning to recover. Jonathan extended his tongue, touching her clit and encouraging it to swell and grow. Two fingers he inserted into her pussy 
and massaged the inside walls with his strokes. Her button danced under his tongue, and she cried out loudly. He varied his tongue's motion over her, sometimes quick and light, and other times slow and broad. Wendy bit her lower lip, and her fist clenched around the frame of the lounge chair. She was close. Jonathan moved his mouth down from her clit and took her lips into his mouth. He tongued her opening for several long moments, loving the taste of her. When he felt her body relax back from the sensations that had been building within her, he moved back to her clit. Pouncing hard, he sucked it like a nipple while vigorously encircling it with his tongue. The whole yacht must have heard her orgasms have finally hit her like a rogue wave. She leaned her hips into it and let it wash slowly over her. As it began to subside, Jonathan began to move his fingers within her as fast as he could. He hooked his fingers, vibrating them over her sweet spot as he lightened the pressure on her power button. A second climax followed, surprising Wendy, who let out another cry of unexpected passion. Oh! <laughs> the orgasm was deeper and took longer to crest. Midway through it, she cried out loudly, Fuck me, Jonathan! He obeyed, thankful that his body had recovered quickly enough to do the job. He lay over the top of her and slowly slid his hard cock into her. He kissed Wendy's neck passionately as he began to pound into her. Old, unused muscles fired into action, thrilled at the prospect of this woman. Jonathan had never been the world's greatest lover, but the tension that was built up in both Wendy and him was so great that it didn't matter. He raised her left leg onto his shoulder, allowing him to penetrate deeper and slightly up. Wendy brought her right leg up to join it. He fucked her for several minutes, her voice crying out, uncaring that everyone aboard the ship could hear. And she lowered her legs and said, Take me! Please take me! Jonathan didn't need to be told twice. He increased the speed and force of his thrust, switching his mind from the giving of pleasure to the taking. Wendy rocked her hips under him as she quietly repeated, Take me! Take me! Oh, please! Take me! He felt the pressure building and slowed his body, blanking everything from his mind but the feeling of her pussy on his cock and the warmth of her body below him. And the words, the words that sent him over the top. Yes, give it to me. Fill me up, Jonathan. He could not hold out any longer, and he exploded within her, his cry joining hers in the growing applause. As a wave washed away from them, Jonathan and Wendy realized that they were the center of attention on deck. More than two dozen naked people had pulled chairs to form a circle about six feet around them. <laughs> Wendy giggled and hid her face in Jonathan's shoulder as the applause continued and the audience rose to their feet. A pair of towels slapped onto Jonathan's shoulder, and he saw Jane standing there with a Cheshire grin on her face. I think I've been missing out with all of this best friend stuff, she said laughing. Jonathan slid out of Wendy, handing one of the towels for her to clean up with as he wiped himself down. Then he helped her to stand. The crowd began to quickly disperse as the crew brought the lunch buffet to the deck on large trays. The two walked toward the rail together, hand in hand. I didn't expect the audience. That was so embarrassing, Wendy said. Okay, that's the end of the excerpt. 
Go find Lust Cruise by Studio Top Hat available on the links down in podcast show notes. You should be able to find the book. Hello, this is Ruin Willow with the Oh, fuck yeah, with Ruin Willow podcast. I'm excited you're here today. It is an interview day, and I have an amazing author here. Studio Top Hat joined me. I am so excited to talk with him. We had an amazing chat. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. This is Ruin Willow with the Oh, fuck yeah, with Ruin Willow podcast. And I have my Mardi Gras mask on. <laughs> All these feathers, and I have my Pod Nation TV shirt on. So, hey, I'm all ready to party, and I have an amazing author to talk with you. Introduce you to, not talk with you to. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Anyways, I'm super excited. I love to talk to other authors. It's so much fun, and I really enjoy it. I just think it's so much fun, and he's written quite a bit of content. So we're going to talk. We're going to talk about writing and sex and all kinds of fun stuff. So don't forget to check out the other shows on the Pod Nation TV. And it is going to be so much fun. I am so excited. So I would like to introduce you to M.S. Dyer. Welcome, Michael. I'm excited to chat with you. Hello. I'm excited to be here. So tell us the name of your books and where people can find them and anything else you want to add sure um our company is called pink top hat books um we are kind of a subset of a different company i own called studio top hat so everything can be found at studiotophat.com and from there you can find all of my social links you can find a link to my amazon page you can also buy the books there which are cheaper than at amazon mm. um and I write erotic stories, um, usually short stories between about, um, usually the small ones about 5,000 words up to about 20, 25,000 words, usually with um, people who are happy in their relationships and are looking to go out and add a little bit of extra spice to their lives. I love that. I think that's what we all need, honestly. I mean... We all strive to be happy and to have spice included. I mean, that's just, that's just the bomb, right? That's what we want. <laughs> exactly. So I'd like to do an icebreaker question. And if you'd like to pass, you can just say, pass. I don't want to do that. What is your favorite sexual position and why? Ooh. Um, this is going to sound very vanilla, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I am a very tactile person a very uh i i make love more than i have sex and mm -hmm. so i really actually like missionary because there's full body contact and yeah. you know i can do a lot of kissing which i like to do and you know have access to everything i want so uh i don't think that's vanilla at all i think it's very sensual and i actually like that position myself i think it's I think it's a very sensual and personal connection, you know, a little bit more than some of the other positions. I, I don't think I don't, you know, I kind of get kind of get irked when people call it vanilla because I'm like, oh, why is it vanilla? <laughs> hey, vanilla is a good flavor. <laughs> vanilla is a good flavor, but there's so much sensuality there too. That is like, I just feel like it. It it does get a rap of being more vanilla though, and maybe it's because it's more 
I don't know, traditional. I'm not really sure yeah. why, but it's a common thing. So what got you starting to have the desire to write erotica? I mean, people start it for different reasons, but what was it that was that trigger for you? Where you're like, I really want to write about this. I started, well, my very first story was in high school. I'm 53 now, so that was, you know, back in the original Top Gun days. Um, and I was supposed to write a story for my English class that was an adventure story, and it delved off into other directions once I started writing. It ended up becoming a kind of a time-stop voyeur story. Mm. Um, not nearly as racy as anything I would write these days, but for then, certainly. And my English teacher at the time basically said, great job, you need to keep doing this. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really do much with it until 2016. Hmm. And, you know, I had the your middle age doctor's appointment. <laughs> and my doctor said, well, you know, you, you've hit that age now, whatever it is you want to be doing in life, now's your time to start doing it. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking about it. And this is not necessarily publishing, but I had so many stories running around in my head, I decided to start writing some of them down. And the few people that I trusted to show the stories to said, wow, you really need to put these on on Amazon and, and start selling them. And so I did. And my wife was super supportive. And um, I put it all out under a pseudonym. Mm -hmm. And um, for various reasons that I'm not going to go into here, I gave up mm -hmm. the pseudonym last year. And it's just been a way for me, kind of a bucket list thing. You know, I'm not going to do most of the things on my, you know, not my bucket list, my bucket list, um, <laughs> you know, but this is a way that I can kind of live out those dreams and fantasies and, you know, maybe share some of them with, with other people. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's so interesting. I've talked to quite a few writers and myself included, so many people are either urged or influenced by teachers that they had uh -huh. at some point. And it's just so common to me that so many writers are stirred on by teachers. And what a wonderful thing that is that these teachers are doing that they don't even probably know. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a common thread. I think it's so amazing. I mean, it's just a great thing. So, well, what? Yeah, you never know who you're going to have an impact on when you when you say things, even casually, you know, mm -hmm. so use encouraging words because, you know, either encouraging words are going to stick with them or discouraging words are and just encourage people. I totally agree. So what's your favorite part of the writing process? Like some people love the editing, some people like the creating the characters, some people actually like revising. I'm like, I don't understand that. But I don't understand that either. <laughs> um, I like the, the time when the first core ideas are showing up. Mm, so okay. I am a person who loves to take baths. Mm -hmm. And most of my ideas come in the bathtub. And I will sit in the bathtub for two or three hours sometimes. <laughs> and be like, okay, I need to come up with a story and just, you know, sit there with my eyes closed and start thinking of characters and plots and, you know, what kinks or sex acts do I want to explore in this one? And, you know, over the course of the time I'm in there at the point where, you know, I start getting turned on, 
then I know mm. that I've got a story. And that's really that moment is when, um, for me, most of the story is already written at that point. It's just getting it into the computer. Um, but that's the moment that I really, really enjoy. It's like that little light bulb that says, oh, there it is. It's done. It's so intriguing to me because I feel like I get a lot of ideas to myself in the shower. Like I'm mm -hmm. thinking about something else and it's like this free, th these thoughts just come to me. I can't tell you how many epiphanies I've had in the shower. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Another commonality between us. So tell me, what is a favorite character or storybook that you've created that is like really, and it's just so hard for people to pick, all right? Because we all have our... So many favorites are yeah. all kind of our babies. Do you have any that stick out as your favorite or is it kind of like, uh, I can't pick? I have actually two. Um, they, I have two series that have been kind of, well, three series that have been kind of long running, but two of them, um, these are the central characters of those two stories. Okay. Uh, the first one is uh, Jessica Cotton. Uh, she's mm -hmm. one of the first characters I created for one of my first fantasies. And... She's part of the Fireball Club series, which is about a super elite uh, swingers club. And she tells her husband for their uh, special for their special day that she will give him anything that she that he wants, mm -hmm. and he wants to go to this club, and he wants to dominate her. Okay. And she dresses in you know bondage gear and a mask and has to do anything he says. Mm. And she it's it's. The story is about her growth from, hey, I'm a common housewife to, holy cow, I've just been thrown into the deep end, and I think <laughs> I kind of like it. Um, and I've explored her through her, you know, starting out as the weak-kneed newbie to now leading other people into that lifestyle as well. Uh, the other character that I really like is from the uh, Kappa Theta Psi series, which is my sorority sister uh, non-realistic, um, you know, <laughs> initiation type of story. Um, and it is actually Jessica's daughter. The two characters very rarely ever meet and mm. never, never in a, uh, a an adult way, yeah. but um, she is exact opposite of her mother uh, mm. where her mother is timid and, you know, submissive. She is dominant and mm. um, aggressive and, you know, she's six foot one and a bodybuilder <laughs> and she goes into the initiation as a virgin and they're given a whole bunch of different sexual tasks to do as part of their initiation and her learning that, you know, maybe all the blunder and blusts of all of it is not exactly what is going to get her through it, but, you know, mm -hmm. relying on her friends and her, her, her teammates um, and doing some outrageous, raunchy, raunchy stuff. <laughs> so those two writing. characters, I, I followed through several different books. Um, sure. and we'll probably do more. Do you ever find yourself writing something where you're like, wow, that was pretty extreme. I mean, do you, do you ever shock yourself in that way? You're like, wow. Or are you always like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. Um, yes. So <laughs> in the Kappa Theta Psi initiation story, there's a scene where, um, the, they, there's two different teams of girls competing to win prizes in part of this initiation. And the hero group is behind in points quite significantly because of some disciplinary issues. And they decide that they have to do the one challenge that nobody is ever brave enough to do, which is um, 
uh, to each of them do something so big and sexual that it'll make them legends on campus. And they end up uh, basically the five of them having sex in a fraternity room, full of guys, Mm. all at the same time, lo all losing their virginities um, as a fundraiser. And uh, it it pushed the boundaries of what's a little too far. But uh, right. I've gotten really good response from it and people seem to like it. So, yeah. Yeah, I think people like that because we all have these fantasies. None of them are bad, right? And some of them can exactly. be really extreme. It doesn't mean that you necessarily want to go out and do all those fantasies. Exactly. You might want to fantasize it. You might want to read about it, just have your brain go there, right? Yep. It's, but sometimes you do want to do the, the whole deal. But, you know, I think it's good for people to have that gradient where they don't have to feel shame or like, oh, I thought that was hot. You know, like mm -hmm. there shouldn't be shame involved, right? I don't exactly. think so. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that, is that's one of the purposes of erotica mm -hmm. is okay. we are living out our fantasies in our imagination mm -hmm. and in, you know, in a kind of directed way where, yeah, you know, we're probably never going to go to a swingers club and have our husband strip us naked in front of a crowd, you know, but <laughs> you know, it's fun to think about and mm -hmm. why not? It's not hurting anybody, you know? And you know, if it's revving your engine, who's it hurting? Exactly. I totally agree. So you said you took like a big giant break with writing. Did you literally not write for years and years or were you writing here and there like a little bit? And what age did you start writing? Do you remember like how old you were? So um, I don't remember much of my life before high school, mm. um, just little bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. um, but I do remember in high school, I did a lot of writing and I wrote everything from science fiction stories to um, a friend of mine and I, you know, wrote comic books and like hand drew them and printed them on the mm -hmm. photocopier and gave them to all our friends and all that stuff. Cool. Um, after that, I really didn't do a lot of writing mm. until probably 2014, 2015. I wrote a uh, young adult novel mm -hmm. about a superhero uh, who has the power to heal, but he doesn't want to fight. But mm -hmm. everybody like the superhero team wants him to fight and he just mm -hmm. wants to live his life and be peaceful. And then the church thinks he's the second coming of Christ or something. And so they kidnap him and the mob wants him so that he can do, uh, you know, things for them to make money. And all he wants to do is just be there. Mm. Um, I think it's one of the best things I've ever written and nobody buys it. So if you, Aww. if you go to my website and you look up triage, it's a really good book. I encourage you. That's yeah. You know, it's so frustrating when people don't buy things. Have you ever tried the Amazon ads? Sometimes they, they do work. Yeah, I need to put all. a better cover on my book. Um, oh, I drew okay. the cover myself, and it's just not very good. And gotcha. Yeah, so that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, you can do it at any point, right? <laughs> yep. Hey, any comic, any uh, cover artists out there that want to do a uh, super cheap cover, let me know. <laughs> I have <laughs> exactly. no money, but you could try Fiverr. I know there's a bunch of people on there. Fiverr is yep. a good place to find people. Yep. That's actually where um, a lot of my early covers for my erotic books came from, is from Fiverr. Oh, mm -hmm. um, I yep. found a couple of really good cover artists that uh, I, once you find a good one, stay with them. Um, mm -hmm. They did a great job. They charged me like $10 a book. Mm. And I've been still using those covers. So, yeah. Yeah. When Encourage you find that for people, you keep going. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I like to ask this question of authors because or writers, because I think it's really kind of a 
a powerful question. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? I think that when I was in high school, I had a bully, mm. um, kind of a, one of the, the violent bullies. And he would always call me by one racial name, which I'm not even that race. Um, mm. And I'm not going to repeat it on the air. But sure. he he had his locker next to me and he would just walk up to me and, you know, be like, you know, word and word and say that word over and over just to get my goat. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, like, I was spiraling into depression and mm -hmm. like it, it affected me yeah. and like hard. And one day he said it and slammed my locker closed. And my head was in the locker and he, he hit it so hard. He snapped my glasses in half. Oh, geez. And then he immediately just like burst into tears and he's like, Oh, I'm so, so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Wow. I had no idea what I was doing. Whoa. And like, he didn't know the power of what he was, the words he was saying, but it meant something to me, just that one word. And so, you know, to find words that can be that powerful positively Mm -hmm. you know, has been a challenge throughout my life, you know, to find that one word of encouragement or to find that one word of um, support that or love that you can give to a person that, you know, maybe you don't even know that well, but then also being careful of the words you say, because, you know, maybe you use a word in your book that is going to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've had a couple of times where, you know, um, I had the word um, cunt in my book at one point. Mm-hmm. And somebody wrote to me and said, you know, I really, every time I see that word, it just breaks my heart because of how ugly that word can be used by people and how mm -hmm. somebody bullied me with that word. Oh, sure. And so I took the word out and I've never used it since. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it words can be very, very powerful. Um, but they also can spark your imagination and create new worlds and bring you a lot of joy if you allow them to. Yeah, that's a hard one because some people love the dirty talk, right? Like they love mm -hmm. the word content and they just like that. To me, for me, I feel like the more I use it, it's not derogatory anymore. It's just another fun, dirty word. And so, but it's hard because you can't go about writing something trying to please everyone either. And you don't know what their triggers are going to be either. So right. it can be a kind of a challenge. But yeah, if you feel, you know, moved in that way or someone writes to you, I can see why you would make that change. But it's a difficult thing because you can never please everyone, nor should you even try, right? You That's can't. true. Mm -hmm. um, that one, I I have a, at the time, I had a Facebook group for erotic authors that I ran. And sure. I put it out there to them and gave them and asked for their opinion and got some feedback from other people as well. Um, that, you know, in certain parts of the world, it is, you know, it is on level of an N word or an R word or something oh, like that. And sure. so mm -hmm. I decided that just not, not that one. It's the only one I've ever pulled out, but right. um, yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand that. So when you're thinking about 
becoming a successful writer? What's your definition of success? Have you already reached that? Is it something you're looking towards in the future? Is it something looming in the distance? Like this is what I see when I reach this point, I -hmm. will call myself a success. I think there are two measures of success. Um, The first is financial. You know, can you do make this, make this your living? Mm -hmm. And I don't know very many people who can, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the honest truth to all of the erotic authors who are coming up and saying, boy, I'm writing my first book and I really want this book to be the thing that makes me retire. um, It's probably not going to happen. You know, you're, you're going to maybe, you know, make a few thousand dollars over the course of years, but you know, that's only one measure of success. And for me, it's not the one that I base my view of success on. For me, it is, um, have I expressed myself creatively in a way that other people are enjoying? Yeah. Uh, Which is reflected in book sales. But, um, you know, have I written a story that is so hot that somebody is going to DM me on on X and say, (laughs) I just read your story and I had to tell you how much it meant to me, you know, which has happened several times. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, that's more of a success than the financial success. The other thing is, you know, last October, I switched from my pseudonym to my real name. Mm. And I did that in part because one of my friends who knew what I was doing encouraged me to come to his craft show and to actually sell my books live. Oh, yeah. And that was a moment of, you know, I think I've just reached success where, you know, (laughs) it's not my pseudonym that's having this success, but it's me. And not only that, but, you know, you know, 5,000 people are going to walk past my booth and see the stuff that I'm making. And, you know, even if they don't buy them, you know, it's still a mark of success to me. So the other thing that I would encourage other authors to do, even if you don't plan to sell them, is gather up your stories and print at least one copy for yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because there is something about, okay, I've got a whole bunch of books on the internet. And then there's something about this thing is sitting on my desk yes, with my name on it. And I wrote this and I created it and I wrote a book, you know, Mm -hmm. that is a huge difference in how you feel about your own work sometimes, at least for me, um, at the point where I published my first book, like physical book, it was less of, wow, this is a hobby and more of, you know, this book could be in someone's library for the next hundred years. Right. You know, that digital copy is going to probably be deleted or something in the next five years, whatever. This thing could be around, you know, forever. And so for me, that was a, a real mark of success. Absolutely. And I totally agree with you because the books are going to last and they're going to be in different places. But digital, yeah, it may completely disappear or be deleted or lost. So mm-hmm. why not make an, an actual hard copy, even if you're not going to make a lot of them? But, you know, it's pretty easy to get the format where you can make it available for people to get the paperback. So why not it is- do it? Yeah, exactly. Um, and the other thing is that a lot of writers, you know, get down on ourselves. You know, we we stop writing every day and we kind of go through a, a big gap where things aren't going well and the sales aren't there. And it's it can be a, kind of affirming 
to see, you know, sitting on my desk all the time, you know, I have a big stack of books yes and I can be like, you know what? I can do this. I have done this before. And every one of these books sells. I've sold copies of every single one of them and people love them. And that means that I can write the next story because I've already done it. It's sitting right there as a visual cue for me. And sometimes, you know, I need that kind of encouragement. So I encourage other people to do the same thing. Even if you, you know, don't really want to sell it, you know, as a paperback, do it for yourself. Oh, I totally agree. And it it does bring you hope. I think it mm -hmm. brings you hope to see it, to look at it, to touch it and hold it and be able to hold it up and take a picture of yourself with it and be like, I wrote this. This is yeah. a book. It isn't just some little digital file floating around in the world. You know, it's, exactly. It's, it's real. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I totally agree. I love your answers and I agree. So do you have a lot of writers, sometimes I've talked to them and they have like different things. Like some people want a certain snack. They need to feel a certain way, wear something, hear music, certain time of day. Do you have any kind of things that for you makes a typical writing session? Um, no. Um, <laughs> my writing is all over the place. I will sometimes write early in the morning, sometimes late at night, sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, down in my family room, sometimes upstairs in my recliner with my laptop. Mm -hmm. It's all always different. Um, like I said earlier, a lot of my writing is done before I get to the computer. Mm. You know, while mm -hmm. you know, I'm sitting in the bathtub or taking walks or whatever, the story is being written in my head and all I have to do is get it out. And so mm -hmm. I tend to write my stories fairly quickly that way because I've already written them. Um I tend not to have a lot of snacks and a lot of, and I cannot have music on while I'm writing. I know a lot mm -hmm. of writers can. Um, it just it distracts me. Mm -hmm. um, I also keep my phone out of reach and I turn the internet off on my, I have a little button on my laptop that'll turn the internet off mm -hmm. um, because I'm so easily distracted. Sure. But once I sit down to write, you know, I'll put out a 10,000 story in an afternoon, 10,000 word story in an afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um and then it'll be, you know, six weeks before I write again, but I'll have that one book done. So now let me ask you this. There's some people have heard so many different things from authors. Some people like to write something and let it sit and then go back to it. Do you have any kind of process like that where you say, okay, this is going to sit for a month and then I'll look at it again or a week or a day or three months? Um, sometimes if I have finished a story, I will let it sit sometimes and then go back through and look at it with a different set of eyes. I really dislike being partway through a story and then letting it sit yeah. because I've lost the thread of the story. You know, I write the story in my head and I'm going to forget what I had thought of. And I get into, I go back and start rereading it. And then I have a hard time writing that first sentence after I put it away for a while. Mm. So I like to really, you know, take a day or two, finish the story you know, erotica can be fairly short sometimes. And so mm -hmm. um, it's easy to do that. But if it's a longer story or an important story to, you know, my my in-universe world, um, sometimes I will take a little extra time. Mm -hmm. I'm in the middle of writing the origin story for my Fireball Club series, so that oh, Swingers okay. Club thing. And it kind of, the characters from that book tend to scatter out into a lot of other stories. Mm. You know, the Fireball Club is going to turn 100 in one of the next com upcoming books. Mm. And so I am writing the story set in 1930 
that is the story of how it came to be. And for me, I, I have a lot of threads I need to pull together, you know, beyond, I mean, a lot of my books are, you know, here's a vague plot and here's a whole bunch of sex. Mm -hmm. uh, this one has a little bit more plot in it. Mm. And because all of my books are in a shared universe, even though a lot of them don't overlap, they, they are all still in the same shared universe. I want to make sure that I have little nods to not just the books that I've already written, but some of the books that I have planned coming up. And so this one has taken me several months to actually do uh, because I want to make sure I get all of that little fine detail in. The sex mm -hmm. scenes are already written. Sure. I just have to write all the stuff that ties it all together at this point. <laughs> So, and what is it that keeps you driving? I mean, obviously you've written in other genres. What is it that keeps driving you to write in erotica? Is it something you just feel drawn to do? You just enjoy, or you just want to build on your base? Do you have a reason for continuing what you're doing? I, well, I really like erotica. Mm -hmm. um, I read a lot <laughs> and, you know, reading it is one of the things that encouraged me to publish it in the first place. Mm. Um, and I... When I sit down to write, say, a, a science fiction story, mm -hmm. I will slog through it. And I, I can write it, but it's not mm -hmm. as much fun Yeah. as, you know, writing people who are happy and exploring new things and doing different things and just fucking their brains out. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, there's just some fun to it. And uh -huh. I really like it. And then... There's also an immediate feedback that, mm. you know, it it really makes me happy that, you know, I'll put that book out and, you know, the next day I will get someone on X saying, wow, I read your book last night. It was awesome. You know, <laughs> yes. and I don't get that with anything else that I write. Um, right. And so, yeah. Right, gotcha. um, the other thing that I like is when people say, wow, I really need to try that. Mm, you know, yeah. mm -hmm. I have a book that's called um, Board Housewife Challenge. <laughs> and it's it's a story of a husband and wife, and they have a challenge going on. He has to have sex with her. He has to initiate sex with her 10 times in 30 days. Oh, wow. Okay. And every time he does, he has to add an extra challenge to it that she's not going to want to do. Mm. If he ever gets her to not do it, he wins, and he wins the sexual fantasy of his dreams. Uh -huh. But if she does all 10 of them, then she gets her fantasy. <laughs> and so I've had several people that are like, you know, I think I want to do half of these fantasies, yeah. you know, and it's one of my best-selling books because of that, I think. Sure. Um, and so that to me, just like, I love that. Oh, That'll absolutely. keep me writing erotica all the time. Oh, I totally get that. Like when I first started really focusing on writing, it was around 2016. I wrote a ton when I was younger and I took a big giant break. And I was writing romance. I wrote a YA romance, which I did get published with a publisher. And I wrote several more. But for me, I'm to the point now where I don't like the books that you have to wait the entire book and then they kiss in the end. Yes. Like, I want them to fuck. I want them to have sex. I want them to enjoy their sexuality and explore it. So I don't even want to read plain romance anymore. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like... <laughs> It's just erotica is just too much fun. I totally yeah. agree with you. Mm -hmm. When I was in high school, I worked at uh, the Anacortes Public Library in Washington, mm. and they had a huge uh, Harlequin romance section. Oh, nice. And I read 20 or 30 of them 
Uh-huh. And because they were super quick reads. <laughs> yeah, you know, I could yeah. read one on my lunch break. And um and even then when I wasn't really writing or even it, I, I never could have imagined the level of of you know absolute smut that could be written at the time. <laughs> right. You know, mm -hmm. that was the highest yeah. level. And yes. even then I was like, wow, this is so tame. Yeah. You know, yeah. and <laughs> Yeah, I, I if I picked up a Harley Quinn now, I I don't think I could finish it. <laughs> I know, I know. Like, I mean, I you know, I understand that people love those, but to me, they're just kind of hollow, and they aren't depicting real life because in relationships, there's sex, there's fucking, there should yep. be, and so yep. it's like they're telling a part of the story. They're not even telling the full story because yes. there's no sex. Yeah, that's like telling a shell of something. So to me, it's just hollow. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and even when there is sex, they are mm -hmm. couching it in, you yeah. know, easily acceptable terms, yep. you know, yep. and, right. you know, I want I want, you know, the thick cocks and the, and the wet pussies. And, you know, I want yeah. all of that stuff that's mm -hmm. going to, you know, get me turned on like that's Thanks. part of the point of it. And um, yeah, there's no shutting doors in erotica. You're in exactly that room, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love that. So we're talking all about this. And so you kind of sounds like kind of similar to me where it's kind of like almost like a movie plays in your head and then you have that and you're like, okay, now I need to put this out on. Do you, do you think of it that way? Like a stream of consciousness? Sort yes. Of? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, I, I, you know, there's outliners and there's pantsers, what they call them uh -huh. writing by the seat of your pants. Yes. So I'm definitely a pantser. <laughs> um, but I do, I write that whole movie in my head before I ever start typing. And <laughs> I think I I think for me that's the best way to, that it works, and I tend to get a, a pretty decent story out of it mm -hmm. because you know I'm writing it from my own. There, there's a moment when you're writing when you're super excited about what you're writing. Yeah. You know, every writer has it, whether you're writing screenplays or comic books or whatever. Mm -hmm. When you're like, oh wow, this is the coolest thing. Yeah. You know, but then if you're still writing it three months from now, you're like, oh, okay, I got time to write. You know, right. oh boy, mm -hmm. but you know, if you're writing it like during that moment of excitement, especially yes. when you're writing about people who are, you know, excited, they're, you know, yes. they're out there having fun and fucking and doing, you know, unusual things and, you know, going to glory holes and all kinds of stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is, that translates into the text, I think. Oh, absolutely. So then do you tend to start with the characters or the plot? I know you said you sometimes have a sexual act in mind. Do you do, do you have a certain thing that happens or is it different each time? Um, very often what I will, so here's, here's my whole writing process. Usually in the bathtub, I will <laughs> think, okay, I need to write a story. And what is it going to be about? It's going to be about, um, foot fetishes. Okay. I've never written a foot fetish story before. So let's write one about that. Um, who's going to be involved? Uh, is it going to be, you know, two women? Is it going to be a man and a man? Is it going to be a man and a woman? Are they going to okay. be married? Okay. I think it's going to be a man and a woman. They're going to be married. Mm -hmm. what's the tension you know he works too much mm -hmm. she's trying to seduce him mm -hmm. um and then i will be like okay so if she's trying to seduce him how's she going to do it and i will start from the first moment he's coming home from work and she's going to dress up in the sexiest lingerie and the diamond anklet that he bought her mm -hmm. and stand in front of the door so when he opens the door you know maybe the neighbors might be able to see her <laughs> you know, and then I will just carry it from there and be like, okay, what happens next? 
and carry on to that. And then what happens next? You know, he's going to wash her feet. And then the next, what happens next? You know, and that's kind of my whole writing process. Mm. Um, you know, with the rare exceptions, you know, like the fireball club origin story I was telling you about that requires a little more thought, but most Mm -hmm. of them are, let's start the action and see where it goes. Very nice. I was going to ask you, would you be willing to read a little bit for us of one of your stories? I can do that. Awesome. I, you'll have to tell me afterwards if I have a career in audiobooks. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Uh, this story will be, uh, it's from, it, it's not in paperback, but um, it is an anthology I have called um, Handcuffs and Other Erotic Stories. Mm. And it is called the midnight the midnight walk. Nice. Let's see here. Let's grab it here. You are standing in front of your home, and you've never felt such fear. It is dark, just after midnight, and only the streetlight at the edge of the cul-de-sac and Mrs. Murray's porch light next door provide any illumination that might expose the secret act that you are about to commit. You feel the cold air on your face, doing nothing to ease the heat of shame that has crept through your body. You know you must do it. You haven't slept in two nights, your mind obsessing over it. Hesitantly, you take a step forward, attempting to bolster your courage, but then you hurry back to safety. You tell yourself you can do it, and you walk forward once more. One step, two, three. You tug your wool coat tight around your body. Does no good. The air easily invades beneath the thick coat. You chose this. Fantasizing night after night, you reach behind you, pulling the hem of the coat down, and you silently hope it is still covering your naked ass. You walk forward, trying not to hurry your pace or act in any way that would draw the neighbor's eyes. You make it to the streetlight. Your heart is pounding in your ears and drowns out all of the other sounds. If there are cars or footsteps nearby, your heart has drowned them out. The sidewalk is clear. Nobody can see that you are out this late. Your mind convinces you that this is a lie. They are just around the corner, behind that bush, in that parked car. Still, you walk on. The cold air on your ass, between your legs, fills your senses and you are hyper aware of just how exposed you are. Your brain knows that your coat covers everything, and a deep breath brings reason. Even if someone saw you, they wouldn't really see anything. A smile comes unbidden to your face. You are doing it. Pride brings confidence, and you begin to widen your stride. You walk as if you own the street. Who cares if they see? You are covered. They don't know your secret. Two blocks. The large boulder that marks the dead end of the street was your turnaround spot. It's time to go home. You've accomplished your task. But it isn't enough. You feel a warmth penetrate your cold body. The desire to push the envelope. A shaking hand touches the top button of your coat. You swallow hard and unbutton the coat that now seems oppressive. Your heart rate swells again, flooding your body with endorphins 
that are better than any drug. The final button, the one covering your most private place comes loose. You open your coat, flashing the boulder. Cold air washes across your flesh. Your nipples instantly grow hard. It feels amazing. You consider for just a moment leaving your coat behind. Reality wins, and you turn your coat still open and on. Your tennis shoes are the only other clothing on your body, and you begin to walk home. The pockets are positioned so that with your hands in them, you can swiftly cover your groin if the need should arrive. But you hold your hands at your sides, not in the pockets. Your body is exposed top to bottom as you walk past the house of the fairly nice family of five, all sleeping unaware of the show just outside their yard. A dog barks behind the large fence as you walk past. You jump, closing the coat quickly before realizing that the lights in the house remain off. A calming breath later, and you walk on. The sound of a car starting behind you makes you turn, and you realize that someone from the family home you just passed a moment ago is pulling out of their driveway. You turn your head away. They will see you, but only from the back, where they won't be able to know what you are wearing. The car slowly moves in the darkness towards you, its headlights making you feel like a target. You have covered yourself with your coat once more. The car drives past. It's Jocelyn, the mother. If she were to look in her rearview mirror just then, she would see your hands at your side, your naked body exhibited for her. If she sees you, she gives no indication and continues driving. A grin plasters across your face. Your exhibitionist fantasy never involved the possibility of actually being seen by someone you know. You crossed a line and you know it. The cold isn't bothering you anymore. The internal desires warm your flesh. You have never been so turned on. The streetlight is an unwelcome sight. You walk the walk. You want the walk to continue. It must never end because when it does, the feeling of elation will wear off. Inside the house, there is warmth and sexual relief from the powerful feelings that are blinding your judgment. Your front door is only 100 feet away, and it is unlocked. A quick check reveals all the house lights in the cul-de-sac are off. No one is awake. The coat comes off one shoulder and then drops to the ground. You drag it across the ground as you parade your body, naked but for your shoes, proudly down the center of the cul-de-sac. If someone sees you, they see you. There is nothing to prevent it. You force yourself to look only at your house. Your imagination sees every light and every house turn on, all of the residents coming to look at their crazy neighbor walking naked through their front door. As a final proof to yourself for the morning, when you won't believe what you just did, you drop your coat outside the door and go inside. As your hands draw out your pleasure, you ask yourself if it was worth it. Would you do it again? You grin as your body releases its tension. You cry out with joy, knowing that you absolutely will. Oh, I love that. That was so erotic and sensual. How fun. I loved it. Thank you. That was very fantastic. What And a lot of people have that fantasy, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, and some people actually do it. Some people go to nudist beaches or, or you know, sex clubs. But what a what a fun way to experience such a, a feeling, a thought. To so thank you. Yeah. When I was uh, a teenager, I started having this was my first time that I had fantasies outside of the 
the normal, you know, hey, that girl looks cute type of fantasy. Sure. And there was a street above our apartments that mm. had no street lights on it. And it was very mm. quiet. It's where all the rich people lived. And I went up there and walked the street naked mm. um, in the middle of the night, you know, two o'clock in the morning when no one was there. <laughs> Yeah. And I had planned it out during the day so that I could jump in, into the bushes at certain spots if people came by. No one ever saw me. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, it sparked something in me. And yeah. not even that I wanted that it, even for me, it wasn't even sexual. It was just mm. I wanted to be out there naked. And, you know, I eventually did go to a nudist resort, sure. uh, the Shangri-La Ranch in Arizona. It's a beautiful mm. place. I encourage mm. people to go. Um, and was able to walk down the middle of the street in the middle of the day, you know, nice. completely naked. And, you know, it's, it's wonderful. I love it. I have a bit of that too. Like I remember being a teenager and being home alone and I wanted to walk around my house naked. And for me, it was just, it was a freedom. It was sort of erotic and sensual. I just mm -hmm. wanted to do it. Right. So I could totally understand what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Well, the wall behind me is getting painted today. And ah. um, I will be completely naked while I do that, too, because <laughs> why bother getting paint on your clothes, you know? Right. Um, you know, I spend a lot of my time at home naked, just That's in my own awesome. flesh. That reminds me of, I remember a long time ago, I was reading a story in Cosmopolitan, and it was about how to seduce your man. And it said, paint naked next to your man. You will not finish the job. <laughs> This is true. This is true. Uh, my my wife is at a different building today. So uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, we would not be finishing. Um, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing that. That was awesome. I like it. So name of the, what's the name of the anthology again? Say it one more time. Uh, that one is uh, Handcuffs and uh, Other Erotic Stories. Okay, perfect. So what are you working on now? Do you have, uh, I think you did mention a little bit about what you're working on, right? Yes, I have several books that are coming out in the next couple of weeks. Mm. Um, one is called uh, Pegging Jonah. Okay. Uh, it's the, the, I think, the first story I've written about pegging, okay. which, um, you know, I think is an amazing experience. And uh, I fantasize about it and, you know, have enjoyed it. And I want to, uh, you know, get that out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, I have one called, um, the passion of Evangeline, mm. which is about a woman who is a, uh, violinist who tours the world and going to different concert halls, but has, because of that, her husband has, um, strayed and, uh, their marriage is falling apart and she finds mm -hmm. herself in the arms of another man. Got it. Um, and one called Noisy Neighbors, which, <laughs> you know, goes back to my old apartment days. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you when you ha share a wall with another neighbor and they're having sex and, ah. you know, there's no way for you to ignore it. What do you do? <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's a couple who decide that, you know, instead of going and hiding in their car, you know, they're going to have sex, too. Sure. And then the neighbors are going to hear them. Nice. And. And then the last one is one I've been actually working on for a couple of years. Um, I published it previously. This is the original version. It's called Roll to oh, Seduce. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is a book for people who play role-playing games. 
Um, I play a lot of Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. And it's about adding sex to your role-playing game. Nice. And I took it down for many reasons, which I'm not going to talk about now, but um, I'm doubling the size of it. And this particular book was written specifically with Dungeons and Dragons in mind. Um, you know, a lot of people who don't follow that kind of stuff don't know all the intricacies of, you know, there's rules issues and things like that with public rules and things. So I am making it general to any role playing game. You can put it into your Star Wars game or whatever. And then there's also going to be a section in it for people who want to role play in real life. You know, you want to seduce the barmaid? Well, you know, You need to find a barmaid who who's willing to play the barmaid and you need to be the person who's going to seduce her. And here's some some cool, fun ways that you might use those fantasy tropes in your own sex life. Right. Um, so that will be coming out later in the year as well. Awesome. Those are all wonderful. So I was going to ask you about your short-term and long-term goals, but it sounds like those are, those are pretty much probably it, right? Or do you have others? Um, those are pretty much it. I tend not to have long-term goals because every time I make one, I stop writing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I get discouraged because it's not there and then I stop writing. So I tend to think a month or two in advance. In April, I have a large uh, craft fair. Um, it's called Odd Nice. Mall. Uh, it's Okay. run by, you know, a couple of really good friends of mine. And it's one of the biggest craft shows in Washington. Nice. And they allow adult material. Oh, As long perfect. as it's not something that is, you know, is going, as long as what you're seeing is not going to offend the eyes. You know, I can't have nudity Mm. on the front covers of my books, but Yeah. Um, and they encouraged me to do that there. Uh, that's Awesome. uh, April 20th and 21st at the Monroe um, uh, State Fairgrounds. And you can find information on my website. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. I would love to have another paperback for that. Oh, yeah. And, Mm and I really love those experiences because, you know, I get to take a book and, you know, I have a book -hmm. Yeah. and I can hand it to a person and say, hey, why don't I leave a little autograph for you? You know, Yes. you know, you, you Awesome. are, you, you never feel more like a real author until you've actually autographed a book, you That's know? true. Um, That's and true. so for me, that's always the next short term is when's the next time I can sell any of these paperbacks and actually hand it to somebody, because I just love that feeling of, of, you know, connection that, you know, I'm looking you in the eyes and I know what you're going to be doing with my book. And you know what? I'm not going to tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. That's very delicious. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> that's how we do this, right? We want people to feel things and go through these emotions and have pleasure. Exactly. Hmm. Um, I think that a lot of our culture has a problem with sex. Yes. You know, we don't want to see it. We don't want to, you know, we don't want our kids to see it. I mean, you, Right. you look at politics right now, it's all over it. Yep. We don't have the same problem with violence. Right. That's messed You know, up. and violence hurts people. You Yes. know, this, if you're reading it and, you know, you've consented to read it, it's not hurting you. Exactly. You know, and so... Like, for me, this is positive. Like, Yeah. I want people to read it. And, Yes. you know, that that mom who's sitting in her, in her apartment who, you know, was surrounded by a bunch of kids who just needs a few minutes of release and, Yes. you know, go read a story that's going to, you know, get your engine revved up a little bit. It's not going to hurt Oh, for anybody, sure. No. you know. No, it's going to help her enjoy her sexuality and her body, which is what we're supposed to do. It Exactly. just, it, it really irks me, especially on Amazon, how you can purchase ads to advertise violence and war and mass murder and serial killers. And we cannot purchase ads to advertise books that are about 
the natural act of sex. Exactly. It's true. It's ridiculous. Um, the yes, I agree. Um, the other thing that I love about them is it lets people exp explore some things that they would maybe they would never do it. You Yes. know, you might be a man who would never go into an adult store and Right. stick your cock through a glory hole. Right, You know, right. but but maybe it's fun to imagine that, you know, like Mm -hmm. what would that actually be like? And, Yeah. Right. you know, and then realize, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. Even if it turns me on and I'm completely straight, there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's everyone should explore in their fantasy lives anything they want to. And it's not hurting anybody. I completely agree. And our culture does not facilitate that at all. Exactly. And it's disturbing. <laughs> Yep. this is why we do what we do also so we can put it out there. I feel like I like personally feel like this big triumph every time I see someone put another story about sex out in the world. I'm like, yes, there's Mm -hmm. another piece out there. Yes. Mm hmm. And, and I would encourage people who might be like, oh, I can't do that. You know, that's, that's naughty. That's, that's bad, whatever. Give it a try and then ask yourself, you know, is it really? Because Right. it's not hurting you. You're enjoying Right. it. It's not hurting anyone else. You know, if you, you know, if you're worried about your kids finding it, you know, put a password on your, on your Kindle. Exactly. <laughs> it's not that hard, right? You know, that's what I did with my son growing up is I always had a password on my phone and on my Kindle. And, Yeah. you know, Mm -hmm. when he turned 18, I told him everything I do. And I, and I handed him one of my books and said, you want to read it? And he said, oh, gross dad. No. And you <laughs> not know, from you, dad. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> and that's fine. Maybe Yeah, he can go with someone else, right? exactly. I have a whole list of authors I can recommend for you. <laughs> try this one Exactly. <laughs> and then he also knows that your opinion of that isn't negative so then he's not going to be colored by that if he decides oh maybe I do want to try it you know it's Mm just -hmm. like an encouragement for him Right. And, you know, as he's young and exploring what his own sexual desires are and what his own, yeah um, you know, concepts of his own sexual identity are, you know, that may be ways for him to explore those things. Absolutely. You know, I know that for me, you know, I, I've been married for 30 years. I married the woman that I gave my virginity to. I've never had sex with anyone else, but I'm bisexual. Right. And Mm I discovered that because my roommate in college had gay porn under his bed. -hmm. Oh, sure. You know, he had a gay magazine and <laughs> I yeah. was like, holy cow, you know, <laughs> this is doing something to me. yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm going to, you know, go, go, go out and suddenly be breaking my wedding vows and everything, Right. you know, but I have an active imagination and, you know, Yeah. you know, there are some times when, you know, those are what's in the imagination. Oh, yeah. I don't like it when people have that kind of opinion where, like, if you haven't done something, you don't know if you are that way or you don't know. It's like, you know yourself. Uh-huh. Whether you've done it or not, you Exactly. know yourself. And that's just BS, I think, when people say such things. If you are 15 years old and you're a boy and you're attracted to girls and you're not attracted to, to uh, boys and you haven't had sex, you still know you're heterosexual. Yes. It doesn't matter if you've had sex with a girl or not, you Exactly. know. And so, yeah, you can, you can be all sorts of things. You know, in my life, I chose that I was only going to be with my wife. Yep. And, you know, she 
she knows all about my books. She knows that I'm bisexual and, and, you know, she is good with it. And she's like, you know what, as long as you're here with me, you know, I don't care. That's awesome. And so, you know, as long as we love each other, that's all that matters. And, you know, that's my, you know, my life may be rare to some people, you know, mm. but I also have friends who are, you know, polyamorous and bisexual yeah. and polyamorous mm -hmm. and gay. And, you know, I have friends and relatives who are, you know, lesbians and trans and all sorts yeah. of things. And like, explore whatever fantasies you want to. Yes. You know? And do it through erotica, right? <laughs> exactly. Do it through erotica. So what's one thing that you wish you had known when you began writing erotica that you do know now? I think I had, I wish that I would have known that I was not going to make a million dollars. Uh, sure. You know, by the, mm -hmm. at the point where I was coming in, there were a few authors on Kindle that were making a million dollars a year. Oh, wow. And, you know... Part of my original initial hope was, wow, this is going to sell a million copies and I'm going to be rich. And, you know, right. that within a month, that was very quickly put to rest. I, but I wish I had known earlier that, you know what, if you don't do this for the love of what you're doing, then mm -hmm. don't do it. Because right. if you're just doing it for money, it isn't going to work. Uh, the other thing I wish that I had known back then is that people really like what I write. Yes. I spent years just wringing my hands saying... I really hope that somebody will like this, you know, and that they're not going to judge me horrible for it. And like mm -hmm. people do, you know, they don't leave reviews on Amazon because people never leave reviews on Amazon. But, know, you know, if hard. you read, if you read erotica and you feel comfortable doing it, please leave reviews yes. uh, because it lets the author know, you know, it does help their sales, but it also lets them know that, you know what, you're on the right path. Keep doing what you're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And, for those people who don't feel comfortable doing it or, you know, haven't met their $50 minimum or whatever Amazon requires, find their social media and, you know, send them a little note and just say, hey, you know what? I really liked your book. It was awesome. And, you know, encourage them that way because what we're doing is, is a lot of fun. And, Absolutely. you know, it can be fun for us and it can be fun for you. So. Absolutely. Well, is there any advice other than that that you wanted to add on? And also, where can readers find you? I know you mentioned it, but let's re-mention it so people can find you. Sure. Um, other advice is to read a lot. If you're an erotica author, you need to be reading. Um, yep. Yep. There are, even if you have no money, there are tons of free erotic stories online. Um, mm -hmm. Someone just sent me an email, and I got 30 free books. Um, from awesome. uh, Alec Lake um, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. and like read what's in there and not only to be inspired be like wow that's a really cool idea for a story you know yeah. wow that really turned me on I think I want to go that direction but also to see the language that's used mm -hmm. um, and to to realize that you know some of the best stories can be 2,000 words long you know, yeah. you can read it in 10 minutes and it's okay. You know, the story I read today is one of my very shortest stories. Yeah. Um, I also have stories that are novel length. Right. There's a big broad thing. And if you want to write novel length books, you know, read some novel length books so you understand how that's, how that's done. Um, the other thing that I would say, 
and it's the one thing that so many erotica authors get wrong is edit your books. Yeah. Like I have, I have stopped reading so many books in chapter one because mm. they're, they're just word salad. They don't make any sense at all. Um, very often I, as I'm, as I talk to the authors, I don't know, on X or something, I find out that English isn't their first language. Oh, um, yeah. You know, have someone else read your story. Yes. 100%. Um, and for me, I like to read my stories out loud. I was just going to say that. Yes. Yes. Um, yes 100%. Even the story I just read today, I read it out loud. And as I was reading it, I edited something because it didn't sound good when I read it out loud um, as I was reading it to you. Mm -hmm. um, so, so those are my, my bits of advice, um, you know, connect with people that are writing and, you know, it is a good community, you know, there's really good people. And, um, if you have questions, ask them, yes. you know, I know a lot of people that, you know, you sent say, you know, I'm struggling to find a, a cover for this, for this book that I'm writing. Um, I did that once and I had three people just deliver me covers, <laughs> nice. you know, and like, yeah, they'll do anything for you if you, if you ask nicely and, and you give back. Um, and then you asked um, where everybody can find all your books. <laughs> yes. Uh, Studiotophat.com. Mm -hmm. um, up in the upper right hand corner are all of my social media links. Perfect. And also there's one. It's just a link button. It doesn't have like an Amazon symbol or anything because Squarespace doesn't do that. But mm -hmm. um, that links to my Amazon store. For those people mm -hmm. who like to shop through Amazon, sure. but if you buy your books through my website, they are a dollar cheaper than they are on Amazon. Nice. Uh, all the digital books right now are available for dollar ninety nine, limited time. And I also have the paperbacks that are autographed, so you can order one of those, and oh, I can mail it to you. Very um, cool. And then, in addition to that, I also sell buttons and zines and war game terrain and Christmas ornaments and all sorts of other things that I make. Cool. Um, I have a whole bunch of really smutty buttons. <laughs> um, you know, my, one of my best selling buttons just says um, smut slut. Oh yeah. Uh, it's my ex, it's my ex uh, user pick. Ex yeah. mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but yeah, people love it. And strangely enough, like 13 year old girls oh, yes. are like a I huge audience that. for that one. Um. <laughs> So there's lots of fun things there. I'm going to have a whole bunch of new buttons up next week, um, awesome. including quite a few more that are um, sexually related or erotica related. Um, so lots of things, studiotophat.com. Awesome. And then do you bring those kind of things to the craft fair as well, like the mm -hmm. buttons and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Yeah, perfect. In fact, most of the time I pay for the price of my booth in buttons. Oh, nice. Like I sell them for a dollar a piece at the show and yeah. I'll sell two or 300 of them. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. How it's, fun. it's easily in my bestseller. So if anybody needs a custom button, I can do one. I can do a thousand. doesn't matter. Oh, that's very cool. This has been so amazing. And I just really had a blast chatting with you. I love talking to other authors, other writers. It's just, I don't know. It's just so much fun to me. So thank you so much for coming and chatting with me and <laughs> Everybody needs to go find your books, right? <laughs> I, I hope so. It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you for having me. You have an amazing day. Thank you. You too. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Sharing his adventurous wife. First time wife share. Itty Bitty Vixen. Written by 
Lacey Cross. Narrated by Ruin Willow and In My Hands Audio. Chapter 1 The sound of kids running around and laughing wakes me up. I blink at the harsh light filtering through the air vent on the roof of our tent. It's already stifling in here, and the day has barely begun. I'm so not a camping type, and this isn't my preferred way to wake up. Give me a big, soft bed in a fancy hotel with a spa to pamper me, please. Why did I come on this trip again? I smirk. Oh, yeah, my wonderful husband claims he has plans, and this will be fun. Miss Kitty believes him, so it better be worth it. Recently, I found a in my husband's browser history, and he admitted he gets off on the idea. I have wrestled with the idea of monogamy. I'd never cheat on him. But before we said, I do, I gave deep thought to our marriage vows. I didn't think I'd ever meet someone, but I found the perfect guy for me. My marriage is pretty awesome. After he admitted to his filthy desires, while well, I kept a running fantasy in my head, I kept thinking, I was different guys while Lucas watched. Yeah, that was a wonderful week. Eventually, we had a heart-to-heart chat about what he really wanted. He asked if I would consider being a hot wife. Miss Kitty started fluttering and tingling, like she was getting ready to train for a marathon of but my brain was more cautious than mine. I told Lucas I'd consider it, but I wanted to take it slow. Which, I guess is why we're here. He's got something planned, but I don't know about this. I don't need to be a hot wife. What if it ruins our marriage? Sure, the idea sounds amazing, but how good can it really be? It's not like Lucas sucks in bed. I'm incredibly satisfied. He knows exactly what I like, and there's none of that awkward first date. Where is Lucas, anyway? I sit up and stretch. My sleeping bag falls. There is one positive about camping. It puts Lucas in a kinky mood. We zipped our sleeping bags together last night. He had to put his hand over my mouth to muffle my screams. We'll get nice and dirty before we get clean. The sound of the zipper on the tent flap breaks through my daydream and I pull the edge of the sleeping bag up over. When the door opens, the familiar side of my hubby makes me let go of the edge of the bedding so he can get an eyeful. And he's potty in my hands. Hey, wait. His hair is wet, and he's carrying a towel. There goes my plan. He's already showered. He blows me a kiss. Good morning, baby. I think it's safe for you to hit the showers now. Most of the kids and parents left. I only saw a bunch of guys. I keep my voice light and teasing. Since there are separate bathrooms for the men and the women, I doubt I'll be showering with a bunch of guys. Hmm. I don't hate the idea. Okay, focus, Jessica. Your life isn't one of the reverse harem books you write. My stomach hardens at the thought of the latest story I'm writing, and I try to push aside my concern. I've got a half-edited draft waiting for me at home, but Lucas and I need this break. My book and my readers will have to be patient. It's actually amazing to me. People wait for my books. A couple of years ago, I got brave and published a vampire reverse harem series, and it took off. 
It's still difficult to wrap my head around the fact that people want to read the dirty stories that rattled around in my head all my life. Sharing His Gift Twice Used by Two Men Itty Bitty Vixen Written by Lacey Cross Narrated by Ruin Willow and In My Hands Audio Chapter 1 After submitting my latest reverse harem vampire manuscript, I needed a break. At least a week of relaxation with no deadlines, no nagging editors, nothing that wasn't about me. My initial plan was to treat myself to my favorite wellness spa for a start, but it was fully booked for Valentine's Day. Figures. Instead, I've been nude sunbathing in my backyard. The warmth on my skin is a balm to my senses, and I feel my creative energy recharging. I'm content and drowsy as Lucas returns from work, striding onto the deck. The grogginess fades as my pulse quickens with anticipation. Yay, he's home. His voice rings out clearly. Hi, baby. You're a sexy sight to come home to. I squint against the bright sun and stare at him, feeling my cheeks flush as his words linger in the air. Ms. Kitty buzzes from his appreciative smile. Yes, yes, I know. It may be silly. She's been responsible for enough of my wildest misadventures. I figure she's earned her own name. Of course, it comes in handy to blame her when we're late to something because I seduced Lucas into bed. No, it's not my fault. It was Miss Kitty, I swear. Our acquaintances think we have a demanding cat. Our close friends? They just smile. Lucas is dressed in his typical work clothes, slacks and a button-down dress shirt. He undoes the cuffs of his sleeves. My stomach gives a soft growl from hunger, reminding me I forgot lunch. We always end up in bed on Valentine's Day, whether early or late. But I need food. I question him. Did you bring dinner home with you? He stops in his tracks, surprised. Uh, no. I didn't know I was supposed to. Oh, this man. Am I right? I mean, a smart husband would have thought about bringing home food on Valentine's Day. But we've been busy and time creeped up on us. I didn't even know it was Valentine's until this morning when I saw the date on my phone. The days blur together when you work from home. A small part of me is hurt that he's treating this like any normal day. Just because I forgot doesn't mean it's okay for him to forget as well. But I'm determined to not spoil the night. Oh, I didn't say anything. I roll onto my side and prop myself up on an elbow. I want to drive him crazy. So, without taking my eyes from his, I run my fingertips along the curves of my hip and stomach, lightly grazing the skin with soft swirls. My fingertips linger on my hip, and I give him my best, sultry voice. You are supposed to read my mind. I'm on vacation, remember? People on vacation don't cook. He says nothing, but I can feel his eyes on me burning with desire. I didn't exactly plan to be naked when he got home, but I know how to make the most of a situation. Sharing his eager hot wife used for the night. Itty Bitty Vixen. Written by Lacey Cross. Narrated by Ruin Willow and In My Hands Audio.
Chapter One. Husband chooses a massive guy, his needy hot wife. What do you think about this one? My husband Lucas is sitting at the other end of the couch, and he tips his phone at me. On the screen is a smoking hot shirtless guy wearing a cowboy hat, and I fight the urge to lick my lips. Lucas has been searching on an app for casual hookups for the past fifteen minutes, trying to select the perfect guy for me. Since he keeps tempting me with pictures of sexy men and telling me what I could do with them, I'm a turned-on wet mess. Thinking about the guy in the picture, I immediately imagine running my hands over his chest and kissing down his abs. Yeah. My panties are going to be shot after this. I like to play a game where I pretend I'm not impressed with the guy, so I keep my tone neutral. Ah,、uh, a cowboy? Nah, not interested. I'm pretty sure Lucas knows the game because the more indifferent I sound, the more he tries to tempt me. I nonchalantly pluck cat hair off my yoga pants and struggle to hold back a smile when he gives his reasoning. But Jessica, you could ride your own cowboy. He glances at me and wiggles his eyebrows in a stupid but lovable way. And we both know how much you like being on top. I blow him a kiss. Yes. Shared hot wife at the con, watching her take it, itty bitty vixen. Written by Lacy Cross, narrated by Ruin Willow, and in my hands audio. Chapter One. I am hyper focused on my monitor as I type away at a werewolf breeding erotic romance. So I don't notice my husband Lucas walk into our home office until he drops a Manila envelope in front of me. Pressing my lips together, I hold in my annoyance at having something tossed at me while I'm in the middle of the important breeding scene, where the woman is about to get knotted by three shifters. I've been so busy today I didn't even take the time to get dressed after my shower. And just threw on a nightgown and called it good. I tug at the neckline and roll my shoulders to loosen the muscles as I pick up the envelope and turn it over. There's no writing on either side. What's this? He shrugs casually, but I can tell he's suppressing a grin. So whatever's in the envelope must be exciting to him. That, my wonderful wife, is our travel itinerary for a trip we're taking next month. Whoa. Lucas planned a trip to surprise me. Has he ever done that? It's like Christmas and my birthday all wrapped up in one. About twice a year, I spend a long weekend at a luxury spa resort. He never goes with me, and I prefer it that way since it's the time I focus on myself. But I'd hinted last week that I'd like to take more vacations with him. I hadn't expected him to take action so quickly, and a surge of adrenaline makes my hands shake. As I open the envelope and pull out a stack of printouts, two tickets fall in my lap, and I pick them up and study them. Therefore, a comic con in San Diego, California, next month. Um, when I asked for a vacation, I pictured sandy beaches or an adult lifestyle resort. Attending comic cons isn't really my thing. Flipping through the printed-out papers confirms it's all related to the upcoming trip. Hotel. Flight information and details about the con. I guess I'm going to a con. I try sounding enthusiastic and I study the hotel information. At least it looks like a nice hotel. So 
We're going to California? Is something fantastic happening at the con? He laughs, as if I made a joke. <laughs> We've been talking about going for years, and I decided to surprise you. You wanted to take more vacations. He has been talking about going to one, but I didn't know it included travel. We live in Oregon, close to Portland, so there has to be a local one, right? I was noncommittal every time he talked about it since I didn't want to kill his dreams, but I assumed it would be a day trip and not a big deal. The passes to the con are for all four days. Five nights plus a few hours on a plane is a big deal. Yeah, that's so not in my plans. He moves behind me and massages my shoulders while I scan the papers. I don't know how to respond. Baby, the best thing is that I pre-planned this with Mary. She's been keeping your schedule clear for the trip. Mary has been my best friend since middle school, and she's also my personal assistant who handles pretty much everything to do with my indie publishing except the actual writing. I didn't even question why she was giving me specific deadlines and telling me when things needed to be done. But now it's obvious she was ensuring I'd be finished with my book and not stressing about the trip. I'm not sure whether to murder her for not giving me the heads up that Lucas was planning this or thank her for keeping my blissful ignorance going as long as she could. Lucas is thrilled and expecting me to jump for joy, but I'm still in shock and I'm not sure how I want to react. And Jessica, I was thinking, it's been a while since our trip to the Temptations Resort. If someone caught your eye in San Diego, we could have a little fun. 